0: This is a sermon brought to you by Good News Bible Church, where we believe we should love God, love others, and make disciples. We are located in Chicago's Logan Square neighborhood and invite you to join our family live every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. as we praise and worship with songs and learn about God through the study of the Bible. You can visit our website at goodnewschi.org. That's goodnewschi.org. Let's turn After all that, that, that was uh, pretty us. powerful. I don't think there's a need for a message now, so I think we could all just go home. Just go downstairs, have some food. Just, just joking, just pulling your leg. But that was powerful, praise God, for uh, the institution of dedicating our kids and the accountability as it was explained. A lot of powerful things took place there. Um, and as we uh, remember and were shared and informed that it's not just in that moment, But it is a lifelong commitment that we here have made together so please join me as i uh pray for today's text and pray for our time god we uh love you lord and as it was just shared just the importance of parenthood of uh fatherhood of motherhood god and and lord um as we are committed to you may we exemplify a commitment to one another Lord, and just as you have committed to us in such a way that wasn't easy, it's not that we're easy maintenance, but we're high maintenance. God, let us ex- exemplify the same attitude that is that of Christ to one another, that comes not of ourselves, but of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray, Lord, for today's text, that your Holy Spirit will speak, and that our fellowship with one another will be sweet. We pray for the nursery and God's kids workers that you fill them with your spirit as they teach the little ones. And as we just displayed here the importance that they are to us and above all to you. God be glorified in our time in Christ's precious and holy name, amen. Today, we celebrate fathers on this special day. And in light of today being Father's Day, I want to address the epidemic of fatherlessness with the intention to encourage us as fathers to continue to be fathers. Because in our world today, the need for fathers in the home is great. And here's why. I'm going to read to you some numbers, some statistics, Uh, like stats and numbers, right? Here's a couple. Approximately 18.4 million children in the United States live without a biological father, stepfather, or adopted father present in the home. 23% of children in the US are raised by a single parent. This is more than three times the world average, which is 7% of children raised by a single parent and the highest rate in any country on Earth. We have the highest rate of any country. Approximately 41% of children are born to unwed mothers. For women under age 30, the unwed birth rate increases to 53%. Fathers are absent in approximately 80% of single-parent homes. Fatherlessness children are more likely to suffer from um psych- uh, psycho uh, psychosocial development issues live in poverty drop out of school engage in school violence abuse substances and enter into the ju- juvenile justice system 33% of families in Chicago are led by single parents and nearly 50,000 Chicago youth aged 16 to twenty-four are neither working nor in school. Today's text is out of Psalms 121 and even though it doesn't specifically address parenting and fatherhood, the instructions in today's word can be used explicitly to parenting, to fathers, and above all to how we live our day-to-day lives as a whole. God's word has much to say about how we live our lives, much to say. An example of this is in Deuteronomy 5, 32 to 33, and it summed us this way, that we are instructed not to look to the left and our right, but to walk in the ways of the Lord our God. In addition to not looking to the left and our right, today's word in Psalms 121 instructs us to keep our eyes up, to keep our eyes up. And did you know that when we keep our eyes up, there are physical benefits? There are, I'm gonna tell you a couple. Some you may have heard, and some may, you have not, may have not. For example, when someone is crossing over in a high space, whether it's on a beam, or wherever it may be, on a mountain, some are really high. Usually if that person is scared, or even if they're not scared of heights, usually what do we say to that person? We say, don't look down. Because the moment they look down, you know they're going to be anxious. They're going to be nervous. And they'll be more prone to falling over. Another physical benefit is, you know dancers, how they spin um, in circles over and over again? And think of specifically ballerinas. When ballerinas swirl the way they do, they have to, there is an exercise that they have to do, is they have to keep their eyes up and usually focus on something high on a a wall, like a clock, a sign, um, something of that nature. Because if they look down, they cannot spin as much as they do, and they will lose their balance, and they will become dizzy, and they will not be able to fill their role in dancing. Another popular popular, um, thing we hear saying is to keep our heads up, which displays confidence, specifically men to men right, to not walk with our shoulders shrugged, but to have posture, to look up, to uh, keep our eyes up, to lift our heads up, because in doing otherwise, we display insecurity, we display, we display um, weakness, we display a lack of confidence, and it changes how we conduct ourselves. And if you grew up in the inner city in Chicago, or in the inner city in the 90s, you know, Tupac wrote a song about this called Keep Your Head Up, and which is all too popular during that time. Now going back to our text, a little background about Psalms 121. It's titled The Song of Ascent, and is a special group of songs compromising from Psalms 120 through Psalm 134. These Psalms are called Pilgrim Psalms, and four of these songs are attributed to King David and one to King Solomon, while the remaining ten are anonymous. It is uncertain who wrote the other ten psalms of ascents. The city of Jerusalem is situated on a high hill. Jews traveling to Jerusalem from one of the three main annual Jewish festivals traditionally sang these songs of ascents because in order to go to the city of Jerusalem, you have to go upward, travel uphill. Thus, where came the songs of ascents to ascend. And according to some traditions, the Jewish priests also sang some of these songs of ascent as they walk up to the steps of the temple in Jerusalem. Each of these songs is a collection that begins with the song of ascent. While perhaps they were not originally composed for this purpose, these songs were later grouped together for the use in traveling toward Jerusalem in the yearly Jewish festivals. Psalms 121 is very dear to my heart, and you, you will see in today's mandates of the word is that when we keep our eyes up, we do so by keeping our eyes on God. As we must keep our eyes up on God, who is greater than our troubles. Point one, we keep our eyes up by keeping our eyes on God, who is greater than in our troubles. Please join me as I read verse 1, and only verse 1, and we're going to stop for a second, but follow along as I read verse 1. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? See, in regards to verse 1, again, it is uncertain of the author of this psalm if they're asking themselves a reflective question in verse 1, or if it is a younger, younger Pilgrim or traveler asking a more seasoned traveler a question of when they look up to the hills, where does the health come from? The, this psalm starts off with what is known as an interrogative, a question. And it is uncertain if it's a dialogue between two people or maybe even three, or if it's one person simply reflecting. Regardless, something, something to be certain of, there exists hills on their travel, and if there are hills, This would mean for the pilgrim, the traveler, that there's potentially depths and valleys. And in those valleys, it is often unpredictable obstacles such as rough terrain, bandits and thieves, and challenging weather conditions. Enduring travel under such difficult obstacles can bring discouragement, sorrow, and defeatism. And this can cause one to feel like it is over before it even began. Is this not so, when we are in the valleys of our own lives, in the dark dark night of the soul, when faced with unpredictable obstacles of where nothing seems easy and everything is hard, and your life feels like a constant rough terrain? Or perhaps there were once people closest to you that stole from you and hurt from you in the process, hurt you in the process. Or you were hit with some kind of a crisis, such as a financial or unexpected or mental illness or losing a loved one. And the valley becomes even deeper. And we may already be feeling defeated because of how high the hill is and how deep and how low we may seem. While this psalm of ascent instructs us to keep our eyes on God, who is greater than our troubles, when we immediately seek him for help, Point A, we keep our eyes on God. And if you're taking notes, if you can, rephrase this. If not, just keep it how it is. But uh, I kind of refined this outline a little too late. And the way I refined it, I should work this way. You can make this correction. If it's confusing, just fill in the blanks as I, as I instruct if you are taking notes. So we keep our eyes on God, who is greater than our troubles, when we immediately seek him for help. We keep our eyes on God, who is greater than our troubles, when we immediately seek Him for help. Please join me as I read verses 2 through 4. My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He will not let you slumber. Verse 4. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The response of the pilgrim in the midst of the deep valley and the high hills is that there is one who is greater. There is one who is stronger. There is one who is more powerful. It is the Lord who is not only beyond the hills, but he created the heavens and the earth. And the pilgrim's immediate response to a time of great help isn't to another person, isn't to his own power and might, isn't to his own resource. His immediate response is to the Lord. What is you and I's immediate response in times of help, in times of trouble, in times when your life may feel unexpected turn in the deep valley? Is it to your own strength, another person, resources, or is it to the Lord? You see, because King Jesus is a first responder. He is, I'm sorry, King Jesus is not a first responder. Uh, Correction, he is not a first responder. King Jesus is an immediate responder. When crisis happens in our city, we depend on first responders such as police officers, EMTs, and firefighters, and no matter how quickly these first responders aim to arrive, they are limited by their own human capacity of time, distance, and power. Presently, right now, in the city of the United, in, I'm sorry, in the country of the United States, the city that has the quickest response time is Los Angeles, and it's the ambulance, and the quickest response time on average there is five minutes. That's pretty fast, but a lot can happen. If you've ever been in a crisis, especially a physical one, a lot can happen in five minutes. A lot can happen in seconds. In verse 3, we see the word keep is used in assurance of not allowing our foot to be moved. The idea here is that we will not be shaken, intimidated, or prone to retreat. The idea here is to trust in the Lord. He will not let our foot be moved. He will not let the valleys shake us. The word keep in this psalm can also be translated in the original language in the Hebrew as to protect, as to watch. The Lord is a watcher. The Lord is a protector. He watches and protects like a father. Verses three through four don't mean that God doesn't just take breaks and is always watching, keeping, and protecting. But it means like a father, he is close enough not to sleep. He is not idle. He is not unalert, but near and always alerts. And like a father who watches over their children, while they sleep to keep them safe. Is that not what fathers do for their families? They watch and they protect? Now something to make certain and keep in mind, when it comes to God's protection, this doesn't mean that we will never die or no physical harm will come upon us. What it does mean is that God will sustain you and sustain you, and grow you through in these times of hardship and troubles. He will keep your life until glory and use your troubles and valleys unto his glory. God usually just doesn't take your troubles away. He wants you to trust him, to stand with him in the valleys, in the storms, in the troubles. In doing so, he will keep you. He will watch out for you. He will protect you. He will sustain you. Because as God's child, God grows you through what you are going through. Isn't that how the saying goes? God grows you through what you are going through. Please listen to this explained best by the Apostle Paul in Romans 8:28. He says this, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to to his purpose. And all things, not just the good and the bad, we can't equate God's goodness with what we have and who we know and how easy breezy our life is. But What about the joy of the Lord when you're in the valleys and you look up and the hills seem great? Do you just see hills or do you see the God who is beyond the valleys? God preserves your life by growing you through what you're going through and when, he keeps, when we keep our eyes on God who is greater than our troubles, we should immediately seek Him for help. And when we keep our eyes on God who is greater than our troubles, is when we trust Him to empower us to withstand anything. Point B, when we keep our eyes on God who is greater than our troubles, we keep our eyes on God who is greater than our troubles when we trust Him to empower us and to withstand anything. Join me as I read verses 5 through 7. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on the right hand, on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. We see here in verses 5 through 7 The word keep is being used three more times in connection to the Lord. Again, the idea behind this is watching over his people like a father watches over his children, or even like a shepherd watches over their sheep. And here we see even more so that God isn't in the business of simply taking the troubles and valleys all away, but he's about growing us through what we're going through, growing us through what we're going through. While traveling, verse 5 depicts the Lord as a keeper, as being like a shade. And usually, if you have gone for a hike or traveled a great distance by walking, you would know that the sun isn't always your friend. The sun will dehydrate you. And the seasoned pilgrim or traveler knows that water isn't the only resource to equip yourself with upon such travels. But something that is just as important is a shade to provide some kind of covering like a shawl or taking a rest stop by a tree when it's rainy and windy and when it gets dark. And the shade will be used to block the wind and keep one warm through extra layers of clothing. Another important reason. Also, to have a shade not only in the day but at night is seasoned travelers know to station themselves by some kind of covering so that they will not simply be out in the open where they are potentially out in the open and make themselves, their loved ones, and their possessions easy targets to be spotted by thieves. And the pilgrim refers to God as a shade to keep from being worn out, by the sun and heat, and protected in the night from the cold winds, rains, and thieves. And see again, verse 7, he says, the Lord is a protector. He's a watcher and a keeper from all evil. He will keep your life here on earth if he permits us to see another day. This past week, I had the opportunity as a father to be a watcher and a keeper. And uh, we went to uh, Starve Rock. And if you've ever been to Starve Rock, the distance is about an hour and a half or so. And uh, when you go up high, we're going to a waterfall. um, And any sudden moves, the cliffs get higher and there's nothing to block. And if there's any sudden moves, you can fall. Any missteps, you can fall. And here I am with my wife and uh, my four boys, my four sons, ages eight and under, my oldest is eight, and my youngest son is three. And the four of them are wild and crazy <laughs> and run everywhere. And me know being their dad, knowing that at least 50 percent of them is made up of me. I remember when I was a boy, I would run anywhere without no regard for danger and not comprehending. So I'm anxiously watching. My sons, And it was a good trip overall. Overall, my sons surprised me, and my wife was uh, one with great faith, believing that it would work out. But there is a couple of examples. Here's a couple of examples. My um, three-year-old, he wanted, when we were high on a cliff, there was a rock on the cliff, and then on the other side of the rock was nothing, which is a freeway and uh, t- trees going downward and all kinds of stuff. And he wants to stand on the rock, and he goes and he stands on the rock by himself. And I go and I anxiously run and watch and try and keep him safe, or my seven-year-old who runs down the hill just full speed, not comprehend, that the other end of the hill, the other end of the cliff downward, is nothing. (laughs) And so I run, and I, he, well, I called to him. He was too far. I called to him, and thankfully he listened, and he stopped. But see, here's the thing. Even though I I was an anxious watcher as a father, an anxious protector. God isn't. God isn't anxious when he's walking over us, even when we may not comprehend the dangers. And he comprehends it all, and he's not intimidated. And he keeps our feet that we will not be shaken when we are in him, in those valleys, in those high hills. Join me in uh, as we conclude and move further along in verse eight. The Lord, read the verse eight, reads this way: The Lord will keep your going out, and your coming in from this time forth, and forevermore. The idea of going out and your coming in refers to the idea in the Jewish culture, a custom in the Jewish culture, and what they, the Jewish culture literally does—they literally set up small boxes containing scripture portions to the right hand of their doorposts in a house. And they touch the box reverently each time they go in and out of their house. These boxes are called a mezuzah. The word means doorpost, And some Jewish people also attach mezuzahs to the right hand of doorposts of individual rooms in the house. And the idea refers to daily activity, to keep God on our minds, on your mind, in daily activities. And the the other idea about this is that God is concerned with the minor schedule, the minor details, your schedule and your daily tasks of your lives. And in verse 7, we see a promise of God's faithfulness. Even though he may not change the depth of the valley, or most of the time he does it and our troubles because he is a keeper. He is a watcher. He is a protector. And it's mentioned the sixth time here in verse A, And that he, the idea here is that he will stand with you in the valleys, in the storms, and in your troubles. But we have to keep him on our mind. And he is with us in our going in, in our coming out. He will keep you if he has permitted you another day of life and he will keep you if he has not permitted you another day of life and in the life to come. The Lord is a watcher. He is a keeper because the Lord is a keeper and he will empower you to withstand anything if we keep our eyes on him. Keep our eyes up by looking to God. In closing, a couple of questions for reflection. Question one, what is your immediate response in times of trouble? Who do you turn to in time of hardship? Something I think about is a story of the disciples when Jesus, during Jesus' ministry, of when there was the disciples were out on a boat, and Peter saw a figure walking on the boat in the midst of storms and waves and turbulent wind. And he sees a figure and he wonders if it's Jesus. And the way the story goes is he asks Jesus, he's like, If it is you, let me walk on the water to you. And Jesus says, Come. And so Peter comes. And he as, as he continues to look to Christ, he starts to walk on the water. But then in the moment as he's walking on water, as he looks to Christ, if we know the story, he begins to sink. And what makes him sink is the moment he takes his eyes off of Christ. He takes his eyes off of Jesus. And see, the reality is in our lives, our lives is like that storm. For the majority of us, there is wind, there is storm, and there are troubles. And usually, we have a bad theology of how we view the valleys and our troubles and the storms. We want to see God, we want to see Jesus take it all away, and then we'll walk to Him. But that's not what Jesus does. That, not, that is not what God does. He doesn't take it all away. He says, Look to Him and walk forward. And the moment we look to the left and our right, and we do not keep our eyes up, and we do not keep our eyes on God in Christ, we begin to sink. And our troubles drown us, like Peter was drowned in the storm, in the water. Jesus isn't about taking the troubles out of your life. He is about taking you, taking your troubles to him, to immediately seek him for help, for he is immediate responder. And like Peter, in the moment he did not keep his eyes on Christ, he got distracted and sunk. And like the pilgrim in Psalms 121, who doesn't look up to the high hills, but looks to God who is beyond the hills, the God that created the heavens and the earth. A couple weeks ago, at the end of my mosaic, uh, we meet here across the street in um, the Salem Mission Home, and at the end of the mosaic, you know, it was about nine or so, uh, me and Sosa are walking uh, out to the parking lot, and then, you know, he goes to his car and I go to mine, but we get start to get distracted. And of the police station here down the block, there's like an army of police cars coming. And I'm thinking like, oh, snaps, what's going on? You know, and, I'm, and you know, when I go home, I usually go south, and that's where they're headed. I think, okay, you know, I grew up in the inner city. I'm not a cop, I'm not a first responder. I don't have that experience. You know, I grew up in the inner city. Something's going down, I'm thinking, okay, I'll chance it. Maybe I'll go. But then, it's like another wave of police officers go. And it's like 10 more cop cars. It's not even a lot of cop cars, but it's how they're going. They're going super fast. And so I, I decided, you know what, I'm not going that way. No, I'm going to take the long way home tonight. And I ended up learning in the news that what happened was is down the block, not too far from here, um, an off-duty police officer was in an alley. And he was just driving through an alley. And there were some uh, garbage cans blocking his way. And then he goes out to move those garbage cans. And while he's moving those garbage cans, he is ambushed by like four or five people with firearms. And they start to gang up on him. And he has a firearm. And he, they shoot at him. And then he shoots back. And then it ends up being this gunfight. And eventually, they leave. And that's where the cops were running to, to help this off-duty police officer. Fortunately for this off-duty police officer, even though he was shaken and very emotional, this is a very dangerous situation. He was grazed by um, grazed by a bullet. And see, here's the reality: when we hear such stories, this can promote much of the idea that is often depicted in the news of our city in Chicago—that is not the place to be. In the world's eye view, our city is one big valley that is evil and always unsafe when it comes to unpredictable troubles. The deep valley can tend to often make the high hills of our city look extra high, and the response of even the church can be to relocate, run, and hide. But what of those who do not have the means to just relocate and are stuck here in the deep valley of Chicago? and the youth and the people that I just named the fatherless homes in the beginning of this message? What are those that see such unsafe values of Chicago as a mission field and a burden by God for the people here and in need of co-laborers? But everyone just keeps leaving because it is unsafe. Let me tell you something about when it comes to being unsafe. It is unsafe to be a Christ follower. So if you Are interested in being safe don't be a Christ follower does your heart trust in him is your heart set in him because as declared in verse 3 he will not let your foot be moved trust him look to him and for those that are stuck here in this unsafe city with unsafe people in an unsafe world we serve a God who is higher who is greater who is wiser who is stronger We just simply have to look to him. He is higher than the hills. He is greater than the valleys. He's a God who created the heavens and the earth. Look to him. When I was in an evangelism team, there was a quote by a seasoned evangelist that he would say this, because we would go into dangerous project areas to share the word of God. And this is what he said, when you go out and you share God's word, make certain that you're prayed on, because 50% of ministry is prayer. It's prayer. So that means I have to, in everything I do as a co-laborer in this church, I should spend 50% of my time on my knees, at least. And something else this um, evangelist said, he said, when you go out, know this, when you go out in the will of God, it is safer to be in the will of God, standing in the middle of a minefield than outside of the will of God, sitting at home in the lazy boy recliner safest place is to be in God's will because he's a protector, he's a watcher, he's a keeper that's who he is now I'm a little pressed for time I think I'm doing okay but I need an illustration and for those of you that are, you know, maybe a little um, getting a little heavy headed, maybe this might wake you up, but I need somebody, preferably a guy because it's Father's Day, right I need somebody to come up here that's athletic and young I need one volunteer for the sake of time, no one volunteers I'm going to volunteer you Okay, that's the way he's gonna go, all right? Come on, come on, come on. All right, Pookie, can you come up here, Pookie? Come on, buddy. Give Pookie a hand. You gotta love Pookie, all right? God bless Pookie. All right, thank you, Pookie. Thank you for volunteering, I appreciate you, buddy. All right, so we're gonna see how good Pookie, Pookie does with balancing his life, okay? And you know, like all of us, there's, well, let's never say never, brother. All right. So now um, this is an illustration I did when I taught abstinence. Some of you may have seen this. Some of you may have not. And we'll, we'll refer to this as the yardstick. This is a yardstick, I think, or a meter stick. We were talking about this earlier. It's uncertain. But let's call this the yardstick of life, okay? And we're going to see how well Pookie does with balancing his life. You've got to balance a yardstick on your palm. You cannot use it on your hand. Have you done this before? All right, good. So just balance it, okay, on the palm of your hand. But this is what I want Pookie to do. I want Pookie to balance his life looking at the valleys, looking at the hills, and not keeping his eyes up, okay? Just look right here, Pookie. Can you do that? Sure. All right, you ready? Yeah. All right. Well, it's good, good. See, he's, you can tell he's athletic. <laughs> One more try. Let's see. Let's see. Come on. Come on. Oh, snaps. He did better than I thought, but he didn't hold it for, for too long. Now let's see how Pookie does balancing life when he keeps his eyes up by keeping his eyes on God. So Pookie, I want you to do it again, but this time look at the top of the yardstick, okay? And let's see how well he does. Go ahead. Whoa! <laughs> you know he got, he got, he got a uh, let's let's do another try. Let's see if he can do it even better. Whoa! Good job, good job. Thank you, coach. Give me my hand, give me my hand. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank, and, and once again, thank you for volunteering, brother. It really helped me out a lot. So yeah, you know when when again. The first time, he tried it, and he did even better. And then when he tried it the second time, he did, did even more better. And see, when we keep our eyes on God and not look to the valleys, we start to fall. But then when we keep our eyes looking up on God, we start to balance it better and better. And all of a sudden, the valleys don't distract us. Just got to keep our eyes up on him. It gets difficult. It's rocky. Lots of loving financial crisis. God keeps you going, a balanced life, because you're not balancing it alone, but you got to keep your eyes up. Keep your eyes on him. He's a keeper, a watcher, and a protector. Trust in the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. In closing, final question. When you keep your eyes on God, what has been the end results? And let me tell you, church, the end results in all of our troubles and our hard times is for God to trust Him and to reflect His image. It's not to take it all away. It's not to make it all go away. It is to trust Him. And see, given that it's Father's Day, us as fathers, we have to learn to keep our eyes up because there is an epidemic and for those of you here that have fathers and have continued to remain faithful, continue to do so. Because I'll tell you this, Chicago is probably notorious for its crime and unsafety, possibly, potentially, maybe with a city that's the highest when it comes to fatherless homes. Think about that. And so if there's men that remain here, fathers that remain here to be watchers, protectors and keepers of the family. Think about this, will that change? Will that change in our community? Will that change within our church? See, if you know my story, I'm one of those that grew up in a bad home where my father was never around. He had two wives before my mom and two wives after my mom. And he left when I was five years old and I came from a broken family and a broken community. And for whatever reason, God has blessed me to be married to my wife. And for whatever mysterious reason, God has entrusted me with four sons. And if you're like me, whether you come from a similar background or not as a father, you may not know what you are doing. You may be scared. You may be unprepared. But you know what? The reason why this psalm is near and dear to my heart is because God put it on my heart to make it a psalm for my family. And something I teach my boys and I have them say is, Quintanillas, always look up. And if I'm going to display anything to them as a father, something I want to show my sons and model to my boys is what it means to be dependent on God. Keep your eyes up. And if there's anything we can do as men, as fathers, let us model this, to be dependent on God, for He is immediate responder. And a practical way of modeling this is prayer, is to pray. And I love how the Apostle Paul describes this. He says in Ephesians 3:14 through 19, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. May we strive to keep our eyes up, church. May we keep our eyes on God and not look to the valleys and the storms. May we strive to keep our eyes up, fathers, even if we don't know what we're doing, even if we think we messed up. The fact that we have another day is another day of redemption, another day in God's grace to get it right. Keep your eyes up by keeping your eyes on God. Pray with me. Father, we acknowledge, Lord, that once again, that we have fallen short of the standard. We have fallen short of living out the vibrancy of the gospel simply because we become intimidated by the high hills, by the storm, by the wind, by the night, by the sun and the moon by the loss of a loved one, by things not going our way. And God, help us to learn what it means to submit to your will. Help us to understand, God, that you are an immediate responder, that you have our six, you have our back. May we turn to you. May we look to you. May we trust in the Lord who is greater, who is stronger, who is higher. He will keep our life from evil and preserve us forevermore. Be glorified in Jesus' name. This has been a presentation of Good News Bible Church, where we equip people to love God, love others, and make disciples. To help support our mission, please visit our online giving portal through our website at www.goodnewsshy.org.